back. Season back two. Again. Foxfire Farmhouse. After a little break, we are now back in the farmhouse, settling in, dusting the cobwebs out of the corners. Mm-hmm. All those cows. <laughs> got cows out there. We got cows. Man. Cows and weird creatures that we don't know. Yeah, there's all sorts of creatures outside the farmhouse. Scary creatures. Yep, we need uh, we need a guide. We need we need an Indiana Jones mm-hmm. to come guide us through the scary underworld that is the Foxfire Farm. Yeah. Luckily there's Deadly no snakes. There. Yep. Not in this part of the woods. Nope. Only dragons. Just dragons, flying yeah. snakes. Flying snakes. Honestly are more scary <laughs> than regular snakes. <laughs> I'd rather have a regular snake that just is like yeah. rolling around on its belly. That will oh, do that. It would be so scary to have flying snakes, like venomous snakes that That'd fly be terrible. around. Terrible. I'm so thankful for the like fact that Satan was cursed. Can you imagine? I hope like that all that of the snakes yeah. just like running around. Yeah. Big legs and you know flying, flapping and fire. flying. That'd be. I mean, it'd be epic. It'd yeah. be something to something you know, to kill. It'd be a cool way to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. No, I was eaten by a dragon. Yeah, right. I'm be... sad, but that's cool. <laughs> well, that's like... a that's a good way to go for good old way to go. Old Elijah, Very manly death. Yep. I uh, wish we could have heard more of his podcasts, but yeah. you know, he got cut short by a dragon. Not, Not a bad way dragon. to go. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> well, we're here. We're here again. It's uh, been a little while, but we are the Foxfire Farmhouse, the podcast. And podcast. we talk about all things storytelling and digital media. Mm-hmm. We love the combination of the modern technology of digital media with the ancient uh, practice of telling stories. And we Indeed. think that there's a lot that can be done and should be done with digital media and storytelling. So and much. so we want to And should be done. <laughs> we'll talk about what should yeah. be done too. But we want to highlight the things that are good, true, and beautiful in the world of storytelling with digital media. That's what we're here for today. And so, before we get on into the topic of the day, we are going to jump right into movie news. Movie news is a new segment for the Foxfire Farmhouse. We have not done a whole lot of movie news. Obviously, news about movies has come up as we talk about various uh, movies and topics and things like that. But we have not had a segment. So this segment is going to be dedicated in this part, this uh, show going forward to random movie news that's coming up that we think is worth commenting on or thinking about or evaluating. Yeah. Well, this isn't the place you're probably going to want to come to get your movie news because we're not going to be keeping you up to date with all the hottest new yeah. stuff. We'll tell really you the just, obvious things. Really just the stuff that uh, we feel like we have some kind of comment to make on or that we're interested in yeah. or that we think is going to make ripples or whatever. Whatever whatever we, we please, we'll throw in here. Agreed. And this is a good example because today we're actually not going to give movie news. Nope. No Elijah, movie news. Elijah has news, folks. I have news. He has news. What's the news? I have a new daughter. <gasps> he has a new daughter. Yep. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful little baby What's her girl. name? Felicity. Felicity Heyman. Heyman. I'm not going to give the middle name. No middle name. For security purposes. Beautiful. But name. it's beautiful. It is a, well, yeah, Felicity it's a beautiful, beautiful middle name. name. Yeah. I love that. I love Felicity. it. It wasn't a name that we like thought about like since we were children, but it just came to us and we're like, that is such a cool name. Yeah. Who did you come up with that or was that who was that? Uh, I think Abby came up with it and uh-huh. then we're like, oh my gosh. She's got such a nice ring. Yeah. yeah such a ladylike name. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. American Girl little Doll. Felicity. Yeah. She's doing well. She's doing well. Enjoying life. Oh yeah. Enjoying the the short time she's had in the in the in the world, breathing yeah. uh, oxygen. Yeah, she and, is. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. She's looking around, she's crying a little bit louder than she used to. So yeah, 
at first we're like, oh, it's so quiet. So, so, because our other kids are, they, they have some, uh, some volume. And then sure enough, four weeks in, we're like, she got the volume of the yep. Heyman clan. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe she's, maybe she's got the chops to be an actor. Maybe that's why this is movie news is because Felicity look out Hollywood. <laughs> she's going to be the new thing, new thing in town. If, if Hollywood's still around. Yeah. I doubt Hollywood's still going to be around. In other news, for the movie news, Hollywood's dying. Sinking. It's this thing. Oh, it's like the sinking city. Oh, oh, Cut oh. to things that are cool. Cool things. So we usually on the show recommend things that we have found that are cool, that are enjoyable, and that is what we are going to do today. Mm-hmm. Mine is a novel I read just uh, last week called The Sinking City by Christine Cohen. Christine Cohen also wrote The Winter King, which is just brilliant too, and for its own reasons, and maybe sometime we'll talk about that uh, later on the show. But The uh, Sinking City is a story set in Venice. and Historical fantasy Venice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's wonderful. Historical fantasy Venice. There are magicians, a magician's guild that so is cool. propping up the city with their magic. I love There's guilds. also this race of people called the Cellini who come up from the ocean, who are like water people who live under the water and they come up and the magicians broker a deal between the tradesmen and the Cellini for so that they can trade the underwater pearls for goods from the land and there's this that's the whole setting and there's this little girl who turns out she's been promised to the Cellini uh as their bride as the one who's going to uh, meld the two worlds together and she runs away from all that and pretends to be a boy and has to try to navigate life in Venice. She can't leave Venice, so she can't get away from this problem. She's trying to figure out how to actually run away from this problem. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole start of the story. And it's just a wonderful fantasy romping adventure story uh, through the streets yeah. of Venice with magicians and duels, oh, magician so cool. duels. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So <laughs> how go they, check it out. Christine Cohen, yeah. the, the sinking city. How did they handle the whole, uh, uh, lady dressing up as as a boy in that book because i i remember hearing something about that that they did a good job handling that yeah so they did yeah i really do yeah so she's she has to hide because they're looking the selini now are looking for a little girl yeah then uh, i say a little girl she's like 17 because they're looking for this girl that was uh, she's turned 16 i believe in the book and at her 16th birthday is when they come to take her because Mm -hmm. she had been promised to them before she was even born and so they're after her and all of that, that's not too much of a giveaway. All that happens in the first couple of chapters. Yeah. So then she goes and has to leave. And the only way she can actually get out of this is if she's dead. Mm-hmm. So she fakes her suicide mm-hmm. and uh, has to disguise herself and turns into a boy. And so she's struggling to like be a boy or you know act like a boy. Mm-hmm. But then she's around all these other magician's assistants who are her age. And mm-hmm. so then there's like the interplay of just... Uh, like romance yeah. tied up in the middle of trying to be a boy, but also falling for a, these boys. And mm-hmm. like, you know, so just yeah. really, really fun, like yeah. complex. And then because it's carnival season, she has these moments where she sneaks out to dress up as a carnival goer, as a girl. Mm-hmm. So she's able to go out into the carnival as a girl and then yeah. come back and go back Masquerades. to the magicians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a really, That's really legit. fun story. Yeah. Good times. And it's very high paced action. It's not. So the winter King, her first novel was much more of like a, a heady mythical tale and mm-hmm. had was just really powerful. I mean, yeah. it really moved me. But this one's way more of an adventure fantasy story yeah. and was just a lot of fun. And, Sweet. and, a, and a solid, 
story. So yeah, that's awesome. that's my thing. What about you? What's my been thing cool for you? Is an oldie but a goodie to a lot of people. Um, but it is Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Five. Such a good game. It has just turned ten years old, and uh, it I I'm playing through it again, as a lot of people do. Except I've I've made it past being a prisoner and making your character in the first couple hours that it takes to get into like free roaming for uh successfully so hmm. yeah i've been playing for a, a little while and just enjoying it enjoying cool. running around i mean for those who don't know it's a it's a fantasy uh role play game it's open world it's one of the first ones to do it well and do it right uh, and it just lets you kind of become a character you can go be a wizard if you want you can be a thief you can be a knight you can cross train and whatever you want so hmm. like if you're like oh, i've been a knight forever I would just want to be a wizard now. You can go join the College of Wizards and become a great archmage. Oh, wow. And That's you've cool. slain dragons. Dragons have just came back. So there's like elves and orcs and uh, ancient dwarvish people that have disappeared. So you can go through their mines with like all sorts of constructions in there. And mm. uh, it takes place in like a Viking setting. So you can become like a thane of a town and uh, build your house. It's It's just really well flushed out. There's so many different little stories in it. And it's just an enjoyable. It's one of those fun ones that you can just throw on a podcast and or whatever music you want to listen to and just run around and hmm. just run into like you can't go for like a couple minutes without running into somebody that goes, "Hey, there's something going on over here. I need your help." And so you like run over there and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's like a bunch of werewolves living in the mountains that I have to go kill now." Okay, wow. Or befriend and become a werewolf. Like okay. it, it provides a lot of cool options. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I'll have cool to game. check it out because I, I really enjoy that kind of thing. You need to. I, I enjoy it in different ways. I have those moments where I have the time yeah. to just like hang out. But then there are other times I want a game that I can be like in and out of in like six or seven hours and I can just, yeah. you know, play through a story and be done. It rewards uh, with more time. Yeah, for sure. It's so, not a not a not a quick. But it's one. the kind of thing when it with the the types of games that you can come back to with more time. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing that allows you to come back to it again and again. Yeah. You know, later. So it, yeah, yeah. It's not too complex, out. so you're not gonna like forget how to play it. Too. Okay. So yeah. like, if you mm-hmm. go on a break for however long and you come back to it, you're not gonna forget. Yeah. How That's it cool. Place. It's pretty simple. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It's awesome. Cool. Cool. Now for the subject of the week. And now our feature presentation. So today we are going to uh, dive into a couple of essays by C.S. Lewis. And I really just want to kind of, I'm going to rehearse the ideas of the essays and then we're just going to run off of that, those ideas into the world of movies and storytelling because I think there are some really fruitful ideas uh, that can shine some light on how we can understand the power of stories and kind of get below the hood of what storytelling does to us. Because in one of our first episodes, we talked about why films matter. Yeah. One of the reasons that we said movies matter are because stories matter. Mm-hmm. And we said that stories shape our moral imagination. They shape how we see the world and, and impact us. And so mm-hmm. I think what Lewis does with these essays in particular is he kind of uh, pulls back the curtain on mm-hmm. what exactly is going on when a story forms our moral imagination. What yeah. is it? What is it? Why does a story form our moral imagination? Yeah. So essay number one is called Meditations on a Tool Shed. And he starts the essay saying that I was in a tool shed and he looks at this beam of light that is coming through a small iris in the wall, some kind of window. Mm -hmm. And there's this beam of light shining in it. And through the beam of light, I can see it shining on some tools. I can see the dust motes floating through this beam of light, but everything else is so dark that all I can see is this one thing. 
And that's what I give my attention and focus to, and I can see it, and it has its own properties, and I can think about it and understand it. He says, but then when I step into the light, that then once I'm in the beam, I can see out the window now, and I can see the sun, you know, millions of miles away. I can see uh, trees, and I can see birds flying through the sky and clouds passing by, mm-hmm. and I can feel the warmth on my face and experience the, the light of that sunbeam. And so he talks about how there's two ways of knowing something. There is that looking at the thing and the mm-hmm. looking through. And that you can look at uh, something as a scientist, like observing it yeah. and trying to break down what's going on chemically. So you look at a young man and a young woman who are falling in love. And the scientist can look at this thing and describe it as, well, this organ of his body is giving off this amount of testosterone and this dopamine is hitting his brain and this uh the, these chemical reactions are happening in the girl and that's why they are finding each other attractive but if you talk to a boy or anyone who's fallen in love with someone mm-hmm. and you ask them to describe it then what is going on in their mind and what is going on in the experience of it is something far different than the chemical reaction yeah. that is happening they, they experience it very differently and their description of it would be very different and you can describe it from the outside and say here's what's happening but once you're on the inside it's like no no no, that's like so much more is happening than that in this moment uh and so that so take that idea then and then he's got another essay that he brings he kind of takes that concept Mm -hmm. and applies it and thinks through it in terms of story Mm -hmm. and the this essay is called myth made fact and in it he says how the there are people who think that christianity is really just kind of a holdout mm-hmm. of ancient times yeah. that we are holding on to the mythic things of nobody christianity. believes nobody believes what they left yeah no one believes that days. it's true it's different right? today than it was like back yeah then. no one believes that any of that stuff really happened mm-hmm. we're just hanging on to like these mythical elements of it that's just kind of like you know, the, the, the trappings of it, mm-hmm. the reality of it, like, did this stuff happen? Did that, you know, mm-hmm. really take place? That kind of thing. No one believes they're mm-hmm. just holding on to the trappings and the names and the, the mm-hmm. rituals. And, you know, it's yeah. kind of a quaint, it's like a blanket. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, they're hanging on to it. And it's not, mm-hmm. they don't really use it. Uh, and Lewis just says that he makes a case that myth is actually the one is actually the truest thing of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in, so then he takes this idea of, mm-hmm the looking at something mm-hmm. and looking along. Mm-hmm. And he says, when we experience something mm-hmm. in reality, like yeah. pain mm-hmm. or pleasure, uh, there, is the, there is the experience of the thing. Mm-hmm. And then there is our mental apprehension of the thing. So I can think about pain, for instance, yeah. or I could think about uh, sexual pleasure. I could think about uh, the taste of food. Mm-hmm. And I could analyze it and think about it, but there. But when I am experiencing pain, or mm-hmm. when I am experiencing pleasure, then uh, I I am not yeah. trying to understand it intellectually. Yeah. No. And so the one of the uh, he used the example like if you if you've broken your foot or mm-hmm. if you, you know you have extreme pain, yeah. Then in that moment, you're not knowing mm-hmm. pain in terms of an intellectual apprehension of the thing. Yeah. You are knowing it from the experience. He's. I wish that my my toe were not broken so that way I could write another page on pain. Yeah, like, right. what, yeah exactly. <laughs> what he he says there's this odd bifurcation that we can yeah. never, 
Like can't do it at the same time. Yeah. And can you say that someone who has looked at something at a distance knows it? Mm-hmm. No. But can you say the person experiencing the pain is in a position to to talk about it in that knowing way of the yeah. mental apprehension? And even when even when people are in pain and they are able to like analyze what's going on, we refer to that as like an out-of-body experience. You know, mm-hmm. like there's extreme trauma. They've had some kind of massive damage to their body. And they look at, it's like they're an outside observer just looking at another person's body. Mm-hmm. It's like a disassociation that's happening between your body and your mind mm-hmm. in a way that allows you to not be overcome by the pain. Mm-hmm. But, but we talk about it as a, as a split, not yeah. as like a, the two things happening at once. Anyway, yeah. so that's what he's, he takes that idea then and says that the, one of the powers of storytelling mm-hmm. is that you get your, it's the place where you get both the closest together. Yeah. So it's a place in myth, in big story structure, yeah. where you get the knowing of the thing mm-hmm. and the experiencing of the thing. And he says yeah. that like myth is more true than truth in a, in a sense that like there are, there are things that are true that uh, you can speak that are true about reality. Mm-hmm. But then the myth is actually the reality of which we speak. Mm-hmm. And so when you experience a story, for instance, yeah. when you're watching a really good movie, or when you're reading a really good book like The Sinking City or you're in, enjoying some kind of story being told to you from someone who's a really good storyteller. Yeah. Then you are experiencing that story mm-hmm. and that story is describing a reality. Mm-hmm. And so it is not uh that story is not a principle or a like theory. Mm-hmm. It is a concrete expression of a principle and of a theory. Yeah. In a way that, like, I can take a story and pull many principles out of it mm-hmm. because it's a real thing. Yeah. If it's done well, right? Yeah. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. If it's a true story, then you can pull things out of it. And so we just, like, I, I really, I find that a really helpful way of thinking through, like, what happens in us, why our moral imagination is shaped is because we've come up to a reality, even if it's a fictional reality, we've been with a reality and kind of cemented the principle in our minds too. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about courage, one could give a definite, like a dictionary definition of courage and think that that's knowing, yeah. but it would be way better to explain like a, a, a scene from gladiator or something like that to describe yeah. courage. Make you feel what courage is and what it does to the surrounding people and all of those ideas like, yeah, watching saving Private Ryan or something like that. And you see right. somebody grit up and, and be be afraid but like grit it and go through like a hacksaw ridge or something like that yeah just right pray he's praying to the lord and he's going through something hard and you're just like oh, i feel it like i feel the the grit in what he's doing like it's it's that feeling aspect and that, that's that's what a lot of people have a hard time with yeah deciphering that i love what lewis does be i love lewis for a lot of reasons yeah but i love how he takes what are those mundane instincts that we have mm-hmm and kind of is able to get behind them and, and, and validate them. Yeah. Because I think that I, I know that stories have had an impact on me, yeah. right? But being able to understand why mm-hmm. or how, you know, that's... It's hard because, like, we've swam in the water of the Enlightenment for so long that it's really hard for us to, like, to, to appreciate those things and to validate those things that are a part of our human nature and the fact that we need to experience things and that we also like they they both need to happen that like both are valid and need to be done in terms Absolutely, of yeah. analysis and and experiencing things cuz you can go crazy on either end mm-hmm. um but i think that we in the culture that we swim 
uh, we're much more uh, prone to doing the analyzing and not the feeling. Yeah. Like we're more prone to like, it's more comfortable for us to go into a movie with a notebook than it is to actually experience a film um, and to experience what that does and that, how that affects you and to come at it afterwards. I think you talked about, uh, talked about an instance of a story. I think you talked about the, till we have faces brought up psyche and uh, he wrote a book on that with till you have faces. Mm -hmm. And he brought up the fact that like the, the points that he had out of it, were not points that he had like looking at it. It was points that he had experienced in reading it. He felt something when he read it and that translated to the book that he wrote. Yeah. And, right. and same thing with the author that uh, wrote a sinking city is she said that uh, when she read uh, till we have faces and what it, the way it made her feel, she wanted to create that experience, that feeling in uh, the winter King for her, for her readers. Yeah. And so it's, it's that truth of like, Oh, this made me feel, uh, strong or courageous mm-hmm. or afraid or have a feeling of dread and those create impacts in our lives and cause us to to do certain things based off of that like we talk about the fact that this is like our our moral imagination and the fact that like how we respond to like a horribly violent situation is a lot, a lot of times informed by like what we watch and what we read yeah um, and, and even i think that the that often a movie can give us the opportunity or a story can give us the opportunity to uh, run into situations that we would never encounter yeah. or on our own. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even if we would encounter similar or we would see courage, for yeah. instance, in a family member or courage uh, from a friend at church who's going through a hard time and we see them demonstrate courage. Yeah. That's one thing. Uh, but th- But to be able to watch it in multiple stories and see courage played out yeah. is a benefit because it continues to cement that idea of what courage looks like Indeed. into our mind as opposed to like we have the one instance that we can kind of mm-hmm. you know i think that's why it. like certain uh certain storytellers uh that are like it's their first time telling like they're telling their story it, it a lot of times that does that falls flat comparative to even somebody who has uh lived not as storied of a life but still lives a normal life but has read so many stories and is right. well read and well experienced in in the feeling of story and what that how that has affected their life. Like people, some of the best writers were like hit with illness and forced just to read books, and they didn't live a storied life. And yet they've produced works that have affected people who do go on to go live storied lives, and those who continue on in the tradition of storytelling. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's just always. Stories have shaped my life so much. Like some of the, I mean, I mean, literally like two of the key moments of my life were impacted specifically by stories. One of them by a novel, but well, it was, it wasn't, a, it was, wasn't a novel. It was a biography, yeah. kind of an autobiography story of a person's life. And that, and that impacted me and changed the course of my life tangibly for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I just think that, that there is something that, that like that kind of power that stories have needs to should be analyzed mm-hmm. because I think that that's that's where the anal, an, the analysis is needed for yeah. us is that we have so much coming at us mm-hmm. that we need to stop and think about the movie mm-hmm. right and say okay how is this actually affecting us and what is the story actually saying because it might have things about it that appeals to us mm-hmm. but then when we step back and you know step out of the light and look mm-hmm. at the light, mm-hmm. you know, step out of the light of the projector and look at the it's light, poor lighting. then we're like, wait a second, hang on, what is this actually saying? This is mm-hmm. saying something that's horrible yeah. about the world. It's saying something very untrue. 
and I am buying buying it, and mm-hmm. I really should be more careful about what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. So that's important. But I think on the same side, Christians can have the that scientific, uh, the the modernist scientific approach towards a story that just says, okay, we're going. If it's unexplainable, then we discount it. Mm-hmm. And if uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, if if it's un, if it's unexplainable, if the, if it's having an impact on me, and I'm afraid of what that impact is, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that impact is, mm-hmm. then uh, I'm scared of it, and so I'm just going to stay away from them. Yeah, so a lot so, of people are afraid to read uh, certain books that are like not couth in our culture. Like uh, people are afraid to read like the Communist Manifesto. They're afraid to read like other other yeah, stories right, because right. of the effect that it'll have on their lives, or even just what's popular today. They're afraid of of ingesting that because they see the direction that it's taken a lot of other people. And so when they get in these arguments about these subjects, about these stories, they're speaking as one who has never experienced it. And right. so that creates yeah. a, that creates exactly. a, a right. obviously you don't need to experience everything. There's things that we don't need to experience and that you still can speak to. Like there's, there's that aspect, but yeah. I think on the whole, there's a lot of areas in which Christians can experience things and have something to say in experiencing them. And right. to be able to come at it with the Christian worldview afterwards and during and through and to be able to see that through the lens yeah. of truth. I mean, a good example of this is I have friends who, friends and family who don't like the Harry Potter books and would kind of, and would really strongly say that, no, we're not going to watch that. We have, a con- you know, a, not a conviction against it, but just they, they choose not to watch it. It's because I would say a conviction. Yeah. They think it's they think it's bad, it's wicked, and it's going to lead them in the wrong directions, yeah. right? Uh, there's so many people who talk like that about those films and books, but that who have never read them, mm-hmm. and there is a fear that like the touch of the thing is what's going to corrupt you, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think though it, it does like you're saying it, it makes it where we are making analysis of the knowing without mm-hmm. ever stepping into it and understanding. What is it that people love about these things? What is it that what is this thing? Yeah. And once you step into it, I think mm-hmm. that there's, and then I think there's also that fear because you've already prejudged that it's bad. Mm-hmm. That when you step into it, that somehow you're taken over by it's a magic. Yeah. <laughs> pun intended. In the case of the Harry Potter, that like, yeah, that it you you know somehow you are under its spell and mm-hmm. now you've been deceived and and you're. <laughs> 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 Let's see how far we can go with yeah. this. But but that you have been deceived somehow, yeah. In a way that now, well, if I like it, then there it's probably be because it's me. something wrong with me. Yeah. And I I just think that's an unhelpful approach for Christians to have toward the world and toward, mm-hmm. and I don't mean it's like a directly the world system, but yeah. Name hellfire perspective of things. Like, have you seen the Hunchback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, mm-hmm. it's, where it's just like that that idea of like he he wasn't able to have this thing for a long time, even though it's a different situation. It's just yeah. that that idea of like pushing off from just a, a desire that he wasn't able to have as a clergyman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes something horrible and it just mutates itself into this weird twisted thing. Yeah. And it creates almost, it creates a weakness. I think uh, it can, it can create a weakness in, right. in a person when they're uh, just so afraid of something. Yeah. Like it, it, fear is not a response that we're to have as Christians we're yep. to have uh, the response of, of courage in the face of fear. That's true. Other people would be afraid of something and have a, a thoughtful response to that yeah. instead of just being, Oh, that's, that's scary. Um, I, 
and it's and that just, doesn't mean that everyone has to go out and imbibe all this no. stuff that they don't like or don't think would be good. It just means that we have to be careful about the kind of analysis we give, and mm-hmm. we haven't experienced the thing itself. Yeah. So we can give, certain, like you're saying, there are Certainly. analysis we can give from the outside mm-hmm. about things that we haven't directly experienced, but that even that has to be tempered with the type of humility that says, "I'm willing to listen," you know, mm-hmm. to a perspective that has come from inside it. Yeah, we need to have we need to have a backbone, but I think. It doesn't need to be that like you're immediately like stabbing everything that's coming at you. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> you look evil. Ah, instead of like, li- like, okay, what are you saying? Right. Okay, you're an orc. Ha, like, yeah, not yeah. not everything right. evil like looks like an looks like an orc. Like when you start making things look like an orc that aren't an orc, like you start making everything look like an orc. It's 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 more it's more yeah. than that. But and that's why we have to we have to go back and forth, like Lewis says, between the looking at. And mm-hmm. looking through, yeah. and the experiencing the thing, mm-hmm. the the no, knowledge of experience, yeah. and the knowledge of analysis, and that back and forth move is what has to happen in the analysis of movies. So mm-hmm. go experience the movie on it, yeah. on it. How let let the movie take you for a ride, and then step back and say, okay, what ride was I just taken on? Or you know, give that kind of analysis, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the fruitful way of handling any kind of storytelling, yeah, and kind of you know coming into it and coming getting mm-hmm. back out of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, Lewis, and we have not tapped the uh, depths of Lewis by any means. Oh goodness, I, nobody uh, has. It's, we, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, if you want to read those essays, though, you can find both of those online, pretty accessible. There's a YouTube channel uh, that I think is called C.S. Lewis Doodles, and they mm-hmm. do uh, chalkboard type illustrations along with his essays and read them. Uh, and so, that's a great Sweet. resource if you want to go uh, watch some of those essays. Yeah, I found them free on Google. The Myth Became Fact was one of the ones I found like immediately. I yeah, like, I believe oh, Myth Became is. Fact is a part of the God in the Dock collection, yeah, so you is. can find it there. Uh, yes, and, and Lewis has all sorts of great things on storytelling, and we're probably going to come back to him uh, multiple times him and again and again here on the show. Yeah, because we we're fanboys yeah. of those guys, yeah. and we want to. I really want to be a part of that uh, imaginative legacy mm-hmm. with my life. You know, I want my life to contribute to that to highlight the good and the true and the beautiful in mm-hmm. storytelling that's happening now. And if God allows me, uh, do my best to contribute to that storytelling legacy. Agreed. Uh, through our own stories and through the training of people to appreciate stories and write stories. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see many more. Yeah, I'd love to see more Lewis's and Tolkien's in our own generation. Although, uh, you know, that sometimes feels like a, a wistful yeah. and uh, hopeless hope. So, yeah. but uh, I, I, we've got to be, we, we can't, complain about where we are and what story we were given. We have to pick up from where we were left off and where God puts us mm-hmm. and try to do the best with what we've got. And so that's what this podcast is. Yeah. That's what uh, all of our story endeavors are. And uh, so we're just going to keep watching movies, keep analyzing and talking about them and uh, thinking about storytelling and digital media here on the show. Indeed. I'm excited. Yeah. So this, off. we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for future episodes, if you have movies you'd like us to talk about, if you have, would have uh, questions that you want us to answer, things like that, we are just going to talk about all things uh, digital storytelling. Check all out season one. We've already talked about a lot of things in the previous 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some more exciting things planned already for this uh, coming year. Super exciting. It's going to be fun. Next, yeah. next week's episode is going to be a blast. We are going yeah. to we'll give you a sneak peek. We're going to cast a Bible story. So we're going to take a story from the Bible, and Elijah and I are going to pick our top picks for casting the story and directing the story and uh then we're gonna we're gonna run with it and see see where it goes see what we decide yeah it's gonna be a good time so stick around Uh, if you have any of those comments or questions you can send those to podcast at foxfirefarmhouse.com 
Also, if you want to see some of our movie recommendations and uh, learn more about the show the and find details about where you can find the show, it's uh, foxfirefarmhouse.com. So, yeah, check us out there. Comment, like, and uh, we'll be back with you next week for the casting of A Bible Story. Oh, 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 oh